Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome inside the latest edition of Across the Cavs on Wednesday, February 7th. The Cleveland Cavaliers have just knocked off the Washington Wizards. They've won seven in a row. It is, in fact, a party inside the city. Yeah, 33-16, and 16, second place in the Eastern Conference. Man, oh man, is it a good day to be associated with the Cleveland Cavaliers. 18th 40-burger for Donovan Mitchell in just a year and a half time, 107th appearance in Cleveland. You could... Chill with the talk that he is a better all-time Cav than Kyrie Irving because Kyrie helped the Cavs to win a chip. There were some folks on Twitter starting some conversations today, but that's that. The Cavs won again. A lot happening. They got the Brooklyn Nets tomorrow. Bringing on today's guest. He goes by Pete. He is the only Nets fan you know, host of Nets fans you know. Also does some stuff with Fireside Nets. We're talking Nets. We're talking Cavs. Breakdown, preview, looking ahead, looking now. We'll talk in trade deadline all after this on Network 216. Let's get it. All right, welcome back, folks. Pete, a pleasure to bring you back as we're talking Nets. We're talking Cavs, and this season has been, for better or worse, on our, on our two sides, something memorable. Can I just say two things? That intro was fire. And do you remember very early in the year, we were talking in DMs, and I told you when the Nets kind of were a little bit hot, Cavs, I think, were a little bit uh, maybe struggling early in the season. And I said, Zach, Cavs are going to probably be in the running for a championship, and the Nets are frauds. And here we are. Yeah, it's been – and what's what's crazy is even since Paris, where I think the Nets are, what, four or five games under, even with some pieces back now, what, they're 20 and 31 coming into tomorrow's matchup, which is pretty mind-boggling to me because even with, with how good the Cavs have been, I've, I've, I've as folks know I'm, I'm in the New Jersey, New York area. I watch the Nets a lot, and I'm just baffled that – they're as low as they are. Now, I know Dayron's been out, and I know Cam Johnson, Lonnie Walker, and Ben Simmons have been in and out of the lineup constantly. And Cam Thomas's role isn't correct because he doesn't play 35 minutes every game as he should. But they still have enough talent, it feels like. Like, they run a decent offense for most of the game, and then all of a sudden when they need something, they just don't get it. They've blown all these fourth quarters which I think is the epitome of your season so far coming into this matchup, unfortunately. The epitome of the season is, uh, let me just break it down like this. Do you remember when you were a kid, they had these toys maybe in different shapes, like in squares and triangle, and you're trying to put like a square peg into a triangle? Oh, yeah. That's, that is the epitome of the Brooklyn Nets. Season starts, we're expecting Ben <laughs> To be maybe not an all-star level, but decent level, right? He's going to start maybe, I don't know, 60% of our games, 70% of our games. And the offense is tutored to him. Everything from the uh, the layer packages, anything uh, on fast breaks. Can I start over? Yes, please do. All right. <clears throat> Thanks, bro. I'm sorry. That is the epitome of the Brooklyn Nets season from training camp on. Everything's kind of been set to Simmons' likings, fast break. Uh, and then all of a sudden, he gets hurt. Who would have known? And then we have CT, Camp Thomas, scoring, but the coach doesn't like him. He's not getting any chances. 
And we have Spencer Dinwiddie, who early in the season was offered a contract, okay? This was not known by many people. I have some inside information. He got offered a, a one-year and a two-year deal, low money. He took it as a slap in the face, immediately starts sandbagging. And you have a team that can't do the scheme that they were taught to do. And it's been a disaster. It's been a total disaster. Uh, the roster doesn't fit. The players don't fit. They don't believe in the coach anymore. And it's just as, as jumbled as my talking is with this, that's been the epitome of the season. Fourth quarter meltdowns, having a 10-point lead with three minutes to go. All of a sudden, you lose by one. It's, it's uh, you know, it's torture. It sucks, man. It really sucks. And then on the other side, uh, the cat, uh, excuse me, the Nets. The Nets have been trade partners with the Cavs. Not a ton, however, they did help send the Cavs their 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 center, Jared Allen. Uh, Karis Silverdu did not play in the second half. I was actually unaware as I watched Cavs Wizards. I, I looked at the back of the box score because I watched the game a little late, and it's like, oh, Karis Silverdu only played 12 minutes. I did not even realize he didn't get in the second half, which makes sense why Sam Merrill got fourth quarter minutes. But nonetheless, uh, that does bring us to our next point because Jared Allen was a very good net. He's been a great Cavalier and Cavs Kingdom, Cavaliers Kingdom. You know, you follow me. You've seen some other Cavs fans have clamored for him to get into the All Star game. Donovan Mitchell said the same. He's played at a very high level. The two roster spots that were available after Julius Randle and Joel Embiid were officially declared out for the All Star game. First went to Trey Young. Absolutely deserved. He should have gotten in originally. No question. It's hard with 12 spots, but Trey Young is a top 12 player in the East. You could forget about the Hawks record because Curry got in as a 12 seed, and that, that says a lot as well. He was never not getting any Steph Curry, but Trey Young's numbers are on par. His game's not, but his numbers are. And Scotty Barnes, who coached our choreographer, said he is the face of this league. Um, he's a very good player. I've watched some Raptors the last couple of weeks, and throughout the season they've played Cleveland a few times already. I like Scotty Barnes' game, but he's not an all-star. By any 28 and 5 in this NBA is not an all-star. Jared Allen is averaging a double-double. He had 15 straight double-doubles. The Cavs are the hottest team to the two seed. Cat got in in the merits of his team's record ahead of Lowry Markin and De'Aaron Fox and Domas Sabonis, among many others. I think Jared Allen should have gotten in. What are your thoughts on Scotty Barnes getting that spot over? Some might say Derek White. Or Chris Stops, there's a ton of people, but I thought Jared Allen was primed to be a second-time replacement All-Star this year. I think you're right. I think you're 100% right. If you look at Scotty Barnes' numbers and you compare it to Mikel Bridges, they're pretty close, and Mikel Bridges has not been an All-Star this year. Jared Allen is dynamic. Uh, you go back to the Harden trade, which you guys got blessed with being, uh, being yes. the third team or fourth team, whatever, wherever you want to look at it. Uh, that's the one player that Nets fans, even more than the picks, will tell you that losing Jared Allen, that one hurt. And the guy is an all-star. Maybe not this year, but he has to be next year. Uh, man, he's just bloomed beautifully for you guys. It's been so fun to watch him, man. I know in the return of Evan Mobley the last few games, a lot of people were talking about them not coexisting. And I remember, and I know you saw the rumors yourself, oh, the Cavs have to trade Jared Allen. The lights were too bright. Mitchell Robinson's too big. Jared Allen's a phony. Jared Allen's a fraud. No, he's not. He never was. He. Everyone has ups and downs in this league, and it's very easy to forget how many of these 
top guys in the league have had bad games and had bad series. It was his first time in the playoff on a team with legitimate expectations to come out and win the series because those years with the Nets, they got in a couple times. Those were probably vibes teams. Those were setting the culture teams for what's to come and what eventually set the tone to get all the stars in town. This was different. The Knicks were better. And I think the other part of that series that a lot of people forget, and I forgot this in the moment, was that the Hawks embarrassed the Knicks two years earlier and that if they had let that happen again, they would have been looked at as a massive failure. They, they turned what the Cavs didn't do, and they played a perfect season, a perfect series, rather. And we come back to the next year, they're doing it again with a new cast of characters, are crazily banged up, and here the Cavs are. Right, we're 33 and 16, which is amazing to me. So, I know you don't watch the Cavs every night, Pete, but mm-hmm. even on paper, from following some Cavs fans, from box score watching, from what you read, what are your from afar thoughts on what they've done in these last couple of months as they've gone from 13 and 12 to 33 and 16? Uh, man, uh, I've seen this coming. I told you last year. I said, man, I think this team could really compete. And that was last year, right? I saw the pieces kind of coming together. You guys added a Matt Strauss, right? You got some extra shooting in there. And, man, like, I really feel like everything has come together. Man, Darius Garland is just – I want him on my team. I'd love to steal him if possible. You guys already got Mitchell. Man, the starting five is just so strong. Then you got guys like Dean Wade. I'm a huge Dean Wade fan. Shoots the three, six nine, power forward. Man, this team looks like they're complete. I feel like you guys are maybe like one player away. I'm not sure what position you guys need, but man, a nice playoff run with a healthy cast of Cavs with an addition, that's dangerous. That's really dangerous. I'd love that to happen. The only problem with Darius has been so Pre-injury this year, he was looking very good again. His season numbers are 19 points, 6 assists. It's okay that they're down because Donovan's taken an insane step forward as they've started to understand that they really need to play through him more than Garland. In his five games back, he's put up 19, 9, 4, 11, and 13. He's only grabbed seven rebounds, and his assist averages are about 5.6 per game. His turnovers are up. But the thing is, is they're winning. they've won every game he's played. They beat Detroit. They beat Memphis. Three road wins, albeit in the last four, at Memphis, at San Antonio. It doesn't matter. The guys are banged up. You still have to beat the team in front of you. The Wizards showed tonight, and the Pistons have shown in these recent weeks, that you have to beat the teams on your schedule. Uh, but there's just such a cohesion. And, and I, it feels like there's a piece missing. But it also, at the same time, at least from the local end, doesn't feel like they have to make a move, per se, because think about who who they still have to pay a Coro and Mobley which should happen for both of them this summer. So you have to consider what that means for Mitchell, who expires at the end of next season, for Garland, who's got several years left, for Allen. You know, the important thing is to try and maintain your current starting five in Struess. Merrill is cheap. Wade is cheap. Niang is $8 million a year. The question would be, and there's a couple of wings, if the team would want to upgrade, this would be more for the bench than the starting lineup. The Nets have a guy. He played with Donovan in Utah. He rocks the double zero. He's got, to me, one of the best pump fakes in the league, truthfully. I, I don't think it's talked about much. But Royce O'Neal, 
He's what six four, six five. He plays bigger than his size. He can rebound. He can play make. He can shoot seven or eight threes a game comfortably. What are your thoughts on a potential Royce to Cleveland deal? And do you think the Nets would want as high an asking price as they received because they have to give a first round pick to Utah in order to snack it? Yeah. Uh, if you go back to the James Harden deal and the Ben Simmons deal, actually that pick was Philadelphia's pick that got sent to Utah. Uh, man, going to Royce O'Neal, you look at the numbers and you say, Pete, this guy is averaging seven points. He's shooting 38%. Why would the Cavs want him? I'll tell you why. Royce O'Neal is just a master of everything, okay? He doesn't get there at a super high level, but last year he was the backup point guard for, for a, a lot of the time, a lot of the season. When the superstars left, the roster was totally destroyed. He was put into a position that he was handling the ball and initiating the offense. Royce O'Neal this year plays at the five and defends centers very well. This guy could do a little bit of everything. The stats really don't tell the picture. He's... Man, I know he doesn't have a championship, but he's got that kind of championship winning gene in him. He'll hit the game-winning shot. You're down by three. You got two seconds left, and your superstar can't get the ball. You give it to him. He'll knock it in. He's hit a couple game winners with his time with the Nets, and, man, he's been a fan favorite. But uh, he's, he's going to be a free agent. He's got to go. And now, unrelated but also related question for you, Pete. I've long been an Olivier Cedric fan. He came from Cleveland to Brooklyn. Where does Royce O'Neal rank? Royce O'Neal! Where does he rank on your list of favorite names on the current roster to be said by Olivier? Because for me, when I go to games, I'll be there tomorrow night. I'm very excited to see Cleveland in person again. First time this year. I think he's top two or three with the current roster. He's just so much fun to hear that name. And he's like, O'Neal! He doesn't even say Royce anymore. He just goes to O'Neal. Man, I like Kyrie's call. His his call for Kyrie brought it over. I like that one a lot. It's still I still like it. I'm gonna I'd have to put it up there. But uh, you said current roster. I'd say it's it's up there. He he's had a has a very unique voice. Oh yeah. I knew he was with the Cavs. Uh, he he was there for the champion season, right? He was. Yeah. Uh, yes, and then I believe that was his last season. It was his second to last season. Sean Pebbles took over for LeBron's final year. I believe. And you asked uh I'm sorry. You asked about Royce O'Neal in a trade, right? Yeah. Uh, I think two seconds would do it. You know, I, I would love to steal uh, Dean Wade from you. Yeah. I'd love to, you know, maybe we could work something out. Nets need a big man. Just saying. He could be your small ball five. It's not, it's not, now he's not your, let's go win a championship small ball five, but he's like, all right, you want to go small. You want to try and bring these top centers out. The big difference with Dean Wade now versus the one you saw last year against the Knicks in the first round is that he's healthy again. His confidence is back. He's shooting at nearly 40% from deep. He can defend the best players he has for his entire career. And there's this there's this period of time. Like every team has this guy, right, where he's playing at a, at a good enough level, but he's never having these amazing games. And they're like, trade him. He stinks. He's trash. Get him out of the rotation. And all of a sudden – Three or four guys go down for a couple of games. He steps up. He was the starter for Mobley the entire time he was out and did a masterful job 
He also plays perfectly with Isaac Okoro, who's also stepped up his offensive game far beyond the numbers would tell you. Another, he was plus 17 in a nine-point win tonight. So they were worse with him off the court yet again. Dean Wade does that for you. I would stink to trade him. I don't personally know if Royce is worth it. Royce adds more playmaking than Dean, but Dean's a decent enough rebounder. Dean can take the assignment, and Dean has a long enough vert and reach. That I remember uh, going to Nets-Cavs a few years ago when the Cavs were extremely shorthanded. Remember there was that period during COVID and injuries where they had no Allen, no Mobley, and no Love. I came back to the game where I believe they only had gotten Love back. Allen and Mobley were still out. So Dean Wade had to guard Durant. And Arcadia, I think, had 38 or 40 in the first two quarters. Dean Wade made his life tough. So I like him. It would be hard for me to agree to any trade for any player. But then again, I was I was devastated when Lamar Stevens got traded. And when Jetty Osman got traded, because Jetty was there for six or seven years, Lamar Stevens went from undrafted to, to making his way into the NBA. And he just got traded to Memphis today. Or I think he's going to see a boatload of minutes in their next game if he passes his physical on time, because everyone is out. And I, I don't like seeing anybody go. Even Robin Lopez, he did nothing for the Cavs on the court, but his vibes, like you see him on the, for the Bucks right now, he's getting laughed at because he got destroyed on that hook shot the other day on national TV, so everyone saw it. And he's had three bad games in a row while his brother's been out. I don't understand why they signed him. They can't have him at the Nasus on the same bench. That's why they're one and four in their last five for any other reason. But it, I don't I mean, like seeing how will Neto leave the team, and he was the third or fourth point. I didn't like Danny Green walking away again. Or they got traded by the Sixers at the start of the season and it's still unsigned. But no, I think you you have that feeling, right, of nostalgia with these players. Like, you look at the end of the Cavs, uh, the Nets bench, if they had to include uh, – let me think of an example here. Um, you love your Cavs, bro. I've got to say, you. I think you hold your players a little bit too high, okay? Yeah, There's a little bias there. But I, I get it. I get what you're saying. A little bit. But then There's I will say – Say again. There's a little bias there, though. A Just little, say. a little, but there's the facts back it up. Now, it's, I'm not always right, and I, I'm the first to admit that because I don't have many real life conversations with too many actual Cavs fans because I, I'm not in Cleveland. I don't see many on the street. I'll compliment any Cavs hat on the street or inside somewhere or shirt, but then you can see the hat and tell if it's a LeBron Cavs hat or a regular Cavs hat. But nonetheless, we move forward. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't talk to a lot of Nets fans. I, I live in Brooklyn, so you know how it is. You don't? No, I'm making them. You know, this Nets don't have any fans. How was, I was uh, for work? We were outside Barclays last night. I saw a lot of Nets fans getting ready for that game, and they, they were decent spirits coming. A lot of, a lot of European fans were at the game last night. A lot of, a lot of people watching Luca, and we're probably there to watch Steph the day before. It's a great week. At Barclays, though, if you if you're visiting New York for this week, if you're an out of towner, you get Steph on Monday, you get Luca and Kyrie on Tuesday, and you get Donovan and the hottest team in the conference on a Thursday. That is a heck of a of a week for a home fan. Whoever has season tickets, that is a great week to get all three in four days. Yeah. I sat right behind the Nets bench, so I got every moment of Kyrie kicking our ass. Sorry, if I, I don't know if I could say that. That's probably the explicit button. We got the explicit button if we need it. Kicking our buttocks, and I was surrounded by Mavs fan, Mavs fans. So it was a good time. It was definitely a good time. I like to hear that. Yeah, a lot of Mavs fans as well. 
Good squad. But okay. Cavs have been hot as mentioned. They've won seven straight. They've won 20 of 24, 15 of 16. The Nets come in, and I have not checked the last 10 games, but it's probably not great. So can the Nets win? And do we have a score for the game? Is everybody healthy for you guys? It's the second. It's the tail end of a back-to-back, so you'll probably see Garland and Mobley on the injury report, but they have already played a back-to-back, I believe. I'm going to double-check that right now real quick. Darius, okay, they actually have not had a back-to-back. There could be no Garland and or Mobley. I don't know because for Garland, it was a jaw issue. I don't see why the back-to-back would be a problem for his body. Mobley might be another story. Um, but now that they've had five games to play already, I- I'm going to assume, assume that everyone except for Ty Jerome takes the court. I look at the roster now for the Nets, and I- I'm not sure what's going to happen because they might be even shorthanded because of all these guys Deadline that might day. get traded, right? right. Deadline day, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Doreen Finney-Smith, guy who might get traded, he sprained his ankle. Nets got ferociously scared that they just ruined their chances for the deadline of getting some picks back. He's been sat down. Royce is going to be sitting down. Dinwiddie, same thing. So, uh, man, I'm not even sure how many players we're going to have. The two ways will definitely be up. If Ben is playing, we have a chance. But Lonnie Walker is also out. And Lonnie Walker has kind of been like the third option on the team, even though he doesn't really start. But, man, he really opens up the game when you have Ben and Lonnie. But uh, I think they've only played like three or four games together. It's, you know, it's tough when your third leading scorer is out. There's no gravity on offense for this team. Not a lot of spacing. Everyone just attacks and blitz Bridges and uh, and CT. If you got Mowgli and J.A. coming at at those guys, I I, mean, I, I... I think you're going to see uh, a 125-111 Cavs win. All right. The 14 points would be nice. And then last time I saw the Nets in person, I saw Cam Thomas hang 45 on the buck back in November. November uh, – actually, I went to one game after that. But I saw Ben Simmons, the last game he played before he got – he was shut down against the Bucks, where he was guarding Giannis late. And the Nets were right there until the end. Probably one of the most exciting games I've been to in person. I watched Dinwiddie hit a buzzer beater against the Nets two years ago, which was insane to witness in person. I've seen Alec Burks have a game-winning dunk for the Cavs in Brooklyn before, which for me was one of my favorite games I've ever been to. That was also the first time I met Ian, who was on the pod at the beginning of the season. Big, big fan of him. Hopefully he'll, he'll be there calling that for the Nets fans at home tomorrow. After calling the game on national TV Tuesday, him and Mike Breen are just amazing with how often they have to call Nets and Knicks on national TV and do not miss a beat having to go from a homer. Well, not homer. Neither of them are really homers because they're that good. But from home to neutral, no one does it like either one of them. On New York is blessed with those two. And even the backups on both sides between Kenny Albert and Ed Cohen, who does radio and backup TV for the Knicks, you know, y'all got Ryan Rucco. You know, I've got Noah Eagle. You've had Justin Shackle. You used to have Michael Grady. You got Kustak, RJ, Vince in the color 
On the Knicks side, you got Walt Wally Zerbiak when he's not insulting Halliburton for no reason. Does a really nice job. I have met him. He's a wonderful guy, former Cav, Wally Zerbiak, really cool dude. Who I, I think knows ball well. I think they've incorporated a few other people. I got Brendan Brown working with Ed Cohen. They just got so many wonderful New York voices. And I'm sure I left people off that might even sub in. I see Monica McNutt's on the Knicks, Knicks radio. And obviously, this is a Cleveland pod. This is across the Cavs. But remember, with the across, though, we can do anything. And I can still tie it in because that's what we do. But, you know, you and I both uh, growing up in the New Jersey, New York area. I mean, he's a Cavs fan here out of place. But so blessed. And obviously, shout out John Michael, Tim Alcorn, RIP Fred McLeod, and Rafa Hernandez Brito. But, man, so many great announcers in New York. It's incredible. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think the Nets have the best uh, unit, quote-unquote unit, for calling a game in the NBA. Net fans never want to see the national game. We'd always rather have Ian Eagle. Uh, man, it's he is a gem. And just getting Noah Eagle to do the games also, man, I, I thought that was a good pickup. Yeah, the Clippers, Clippers picked up Kyle Jimenez, who was the Jim Nance Award winner for Best College Broadcaster. So it, he's definitely the good. Anyone that doesn't follow, my buddy recommended. I, I hadn't followed him before, but he ranks every arena's radio booth based on setting, ambiance, view. He ranks the scoreboard view That's of right. everything. So if you ever want anything that, he's cool. But it's it's cool to see Noah here. Obviously, you know, uh, you have an insane one-two with a father-son. Noah certainly earned his way up the last four years. And if you never heard the Clippers radio the last three or four seasons – he was solo most of the time. So we uh, it, it's possible to announce a game solo, but do it in the NBA is insane. So all the credit to the Eagles, man. Those jeans are special. The Eagle jeans are something else. I mean, the Albert jeans are unbelievable, but, man, the Eagle jeans are not too far behind, or maybe they're walking evenly in a line. Chris Carino, Tim Capstra. Capstra I had on, uh, on, on our podcast. He is might be the coolest guy ever in life. If you imagine that cool uncle around the holidays, or that's the, that's Tim Capstra. He is the nicest man alive. That's a fact. It's it, it's great to see too, right? We get, you and I as as we've been recording for longer amounts of time, we've had some really cool people high up in the industry come on and it's like all right you see them on tv listen to them on the radio they seem cool they have all this going for them and all of a sudden you get personal and one-on-one -on -one and they're looking at you they're not looking at a room full of people or the millions of people that's looking at you you're having a direct one-on-one -on -one. and just so many wonderful people in this industry that take the time to come on podcasts talk about career and just make a connection and that's also why, Pete, and I'm sure you can agree why this is so fun, why it's so cool doing this as we get more people on and we both expand our networks. Just so many people want to give back and just talk sports and give their time, and it makes it so worth it. I think you summed that. I can't, I can't say anything else than that. You summed it up beautifully, my dear friend. Man, that's uh, that's what happens when you talk a lot and eventually figure out how to organize your thoughts as you say them, <laughs> even though you're they're not coming out of your head, they're kind of coming off the tongue mm -hmm. in an organized manner that sounds like it was pre planned. But none of these last 10 minutes that we've been talking 
I, I, neither of us really plans, right? And we're going to get back into the game and finish up. But I think that's also the beauty of podcasts, right? If it's it's free flowing, you get your thoughts out, and you you think of something on the subject that that ties it together, and you just you just deliver it. It's just like you're you're at a bar, just talking to a friend, like right, like that's that that's where uh, you know I'm not gonna get. Like, let's get back to the Cavs. They get what we're saying. It's you know I, I feel like you're this type of guy. I'm this type of guy that we're at the bar and we're just spitting, just talking, and yeah. just talking about our teams and whatnot. And that's the beauty of it, like you said. I'm with it. So let's go. My prediction is gonna be trade deadline is gonna happen. The trades will be in by 3.30, 4 o'clock, officially at 3. So I don't know who's going to play. I expect Mikhail, Cam, and Clash to play, which means it will not be an easy game. The Nets will start hot, I believe. They'll hit all their three early information? Say it again. So, that is not inside uh, information. So this is actually inside information. So uh, over maybe the last, I don't know, couple months as my podcast has grown, I've been talking to player agents, uh, a couple people around the team. Uh, I hear Clax may be traded. Okay. Oh, the boy. Nets next year have Bridges making 20 million. Okay. We got CJ making over 20 million. That's right. Ben making 40. To re sign oh, Clax, that's, that's about 25 million. They have raises in the lineup, right? Even if you get rid of Dorian Finney Smith, who's making around 15, Royce is making nine. They don't have a point guard. Spencer Dinwiddie's going to be a free agent. He's making twenty million. That's going to expire. If I don't know what they're going to do with that, but basically you have those guys making twenty million plus, especially Ben with the forty. But then you don't have a point guard if you resign Clax. So there we we have a, a little bit of an issue here. Josiah has made sure that Sean Marks does not get to that tax apron line. The Nets will not go over the tax apron line for anybody. Okay, they're. Okay. They're destined to miss that tax apron line. So I don't know how you resign all these guys. I, I really don't. All right. So well, if Clark doesn't play and Dayron is already out, and then all right. So let's get some good old Harry Giles in there. That's, that's what I personally want. He doesn't to play. They don't play him. I mean, it also he has made sure he does not play. Oh, Clark doesn't play. Whatever they do at the big spot, I'm going to go Cavs 118-103. I think it's not going to be a blowout. It's going to be like tonight. Cavs on the second end of a back-to-back. It's their third city. It's going to be their second city in a four-night period. You know, they were just in Washington. They hosted the Kings. It's going to be a second city in two nights. A lot of travel, a lot of back and forth. I know D.C. to Brooklyn's not far. A couple hours on the bus. I highly doubt they flew. I mean, maybe they're flying. I doubt it. Or they're taking it's a train. Bus. They're probably taking a bus. Once you get to the East Coast. Maybe a train. You might be right. Could be the train. Um, not in the cell, obviously. Amtrak's out of the question. That's <laughs> they'll get on. But uh, I'll take the Cavs by 15. This would give them eight straight. We get them to 34 and 16. That's Devin Harris wins. Yes, 34 and Jetty Osman losses. So one more thing I want to talk about with you here, and then we will say goodnight. I've been doing a series throughout the season, which is – been a lot more fun than I could have imagined because it's just a simple question. Name a player that, that's played for both teams every time the Cavs have a new matchup. So I made a starting lineup and bench. So I'm going to give this and throw to you. You're welcome to look up all-time Cav 
players to play for Cavs and Nets on Google right now. If you have not, I believe I sent you the link as well. I your all-time roster with your all-time starting five guys who played for the Nets and the Cavs. Now, we have different needs on this. I'm, I'm picking this based on best Cavs career and overall career. So I'm going to give you my starting five, and then I'm going to give you my bench. And then you can just go starting five. We'll compare. And then we will make sure we tell everyone where we can find all of your great work because I've seen a lot of it and we talk about this a lot. And we will say goodnight after that. So my all-time roster, starting lineup and bench between Cavs and Nets. I'm going Foots Walker at point guard because he was actually decent for both Cleveland and uh, New Jersey in those days. Yeah, for whether you like him or not, based on the last five or six years, you have to put Kyrie Irving on this list because – he didn't play all that many games with the Nets, but he did have a 60-burger, a couple of 50-burgers, and some nights that you just will not forget. Cleveland, too. Small forward, we're going to put Karis LeVert. His impact in Cleveland hasn't been unbelievable, but it's been felt. And after the way he left his time in Brooklyn, where he was able to eclipse 40 points on several occasions, helped him out in a number of big moments. I feel like he has to be in the starting five. I'm going to go Jim Jones at power forward. His time in, in, with the Nets was not all that long, but he's a Cavs player that is, he's been the radio color man for a while. He spent a lot of time there. He got a title with the Lakers in the seventies as well. He was an important Cav and centers, obviously Jared Allen. I mean, what hasn't he done in Cleveland? And now we go to the bench and there might be names I'm missing. We may have very different lists. My backup point guard is John Bagley. There's always in his bag, Lee. Cavs had a number of impressive point guards between the 80s and the 90s. Between Foots Walker to Bagley to Mark Price to Terrell Brandon, they had a few years of Andre Miller. They, they had the mayor, Kevin Johnson. Mark Price beat him out long-term for those minutes and opportunities. But there's just so many quality point guards that they've passed through over the years. And then, you know, from Kyrie – and then he goes and Colin comes in and Darius becomes point. They, they have so many quality options. My shooting guard is Jarrett Jack. His year in Cleveland was a little weird, um, but decent enough. Liked him on the Nets for a couple seasons. Him, Sean Livingston, Darren Williams were kind of all there, similar times. Richard Jefferson's my backup three. He was a net legend. He has the highest PER for any of the players on the Nets and Cavs who played for both for either team and very well above the rest. Not the same Cliff Robinson. There were two. There was Clifford Robinson. There's another Cliff Robinson. This is not Uncle Spliffy, rest in peace. This is another Cliff Robinson who spent some time with New Jersey and Cleveland in the 80s. He was uh, scoring the high teens, a good rebounder. And my backup center is Andre Drummond. His time with the Nets was wacky, zany. He played 36 games for the Cavs, but the numbers don't lie compared to the rest of the competition. That's 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 my, my weird-looking – Nets, Cavs, all-time combination crossover squad. All right. So this is what I did, okay? I kind of did uh, my favorite players or guys that I kind of just enjoyed playing. And I did put, funny enough, Cliff Robinson, thinking that it was it was, uh, <laughs> thinking it was Uncle Cliff. Mm, so I'm yeah. going to do a little bit of an audit, audible. I'm going to start from center down, all right? Okay. Center, J.A., Power forward, oh. Ed Davis. Love Ed Davis. Okay. Yeah, I liked him on the Nets a lot. He was a, he was an important backup for J.A. And I thought the year you guys made the playoffs against Philly, that he was a massive part of what they did. That was his last year getting real 
legitimate NBA minutes as a quality backup because in Utah and in Cleveland and in the other stops, I feel like he was underutilized. He didn't fit properly. It was too small then. Did you guys use him in uh, in Cleveland? Like no, uh, as a, as I found him minutes in the Nets Cavs game, but he was he was there for the vibes and the mentorship. I gotcha. So uh, at the three, I got RJ. Oh yeah, I like that shooting guard. Uh, man, it, it's kind of kind of tough. I'm gonna put Levert slash Irving. Mm-hmm. I have a little bit man, a little love for Irving, even though he might be a disaster at times. If you have a super team, yeah, he grew up a Nets fan. So just for that, he's he's gonna get hit a soft spot in me. I'm gonna put Irving at at a at shooting guard, and for point guard, uh, future net Darius Garland is gonna round up my roster. No, I'm kidding. Okay. D will. I'm gonna put D will at point guard. Okay, and then Uncle Cliff, unofficial rest in peace, honorable mention because we had the Cliff Robinson mix up. Yep. Okay. But my Ed Davis is here to okay. save the day, so we good. My. You get Darius, I mean, that would be wow. Um, let's see what happens the next years, though. It would not be no. anything can happen. And my my honorable mention, who I, I watched play in person on both teams, who has been on the pod, really cool guy, Jeff McGinnis from the mid-2000s, real quality guard. He wasn't a dominant player, but he scored in, in the mid-teens. He dished out four to six assists a game, and he was just a good locker room guy. He's coaching in Cleveland. He has been for a while. Real cool basketball career for Jeff McGinnis. If you do some research, anybody on Jeff McGinnis, but quality lineup. I think both our lineups would pass the vibe check as far as what you're looking for when you're trying to combine. But Pete, a pleasure to bring you on. We talked some Nets cast. We we got lost in the forest, uh, the forest of podcasting by talking about our about just the beauty of, of why we do this and what we want out of it. But it's it's been fun as always, man. It's been a while. I think it's our first one this season because we couldn't make the Paris one work because I was traveling around the time of the game. But this was fun. Yeah, man. Uh, everyone can find me at, at NetFans, you know, on Twitter, on YouTube. Uh, I just put out a trade a trade deadline series. I had to fix myself over there. Uh, also, on Mondays, I do uh, Fireside Nets. It's a live stream that goes about 30, 35 minutes. I cover the week's games with Sven Harris. And uh, we kind of just attack each other and make fun of each other as well. Very very light, uh, lighthearted stuff. And uh, I'm exhausted, but thanks for having me on, Zach. You're the man. Hopefully we can do this sooner, man. Absolutely. Well, the Cavs and Nets play on March 10th. I'll be flying out of Cleveland back home on March 10th because I'm going to the Timberwolves game two days before. It could not swing going to the Nets based on the whole schedule. But nonetheless, a pleasure as always. You know where to find Pete. You know where to find me. I'm on Twitter, Instagram. I'm on might 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 venture into the TikTok realm. We will see. If we don't, you know where to find us. Twitter's the place to be joining all the NBA discussions, talking everything Cavs and even throwing up the memes that you so crave that you're not getting elsewhere. But I'm Zach Weiss. This is Across the Cavs, and we're back very soon because it is about to be the trade deadline. Network 216, we'll see you next time.